Welcome to Opening the Door podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Today you'll hear a conversation I had with Deb from Queer Astrology. We go over all the basics of reading and understanding your natal chart. Astrology is something that I like and enjoy knowing about, but I have never really quite gotten the hang of all of the terms and reading charts and knowing all the little details. So it was fun to get to know Deb and her approach to the subject. Um, Just a little note, we recorded this back in uh, January, I believe. So we'll reference some things about that season, but just know it was recorded a little while ago. Other than that, sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcoming Deb. Deb thinks of astrology as a journey and your natal chart, the book. This book shouldn't have a binary or orientation, but so much of astrology does. Deb couldn't find other astrologers taking the gender and monogamy purposefully out of astrology, so she decided to create it herself. That's how Queer Astrology was born. Deb does her own research, design, creation, recording, and editing all the content for Queer Astrology. She has read celebrities' natal charts like Margaret Cho and Theo Germain. As a creator, she learns and helps to teach others visually. Book your reading with Deb on her link tree. So welcome, Deb, to Opening the Door podcast. Hey, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. This is awesome. I am so, so excited to have you here. I think you were kind of one of the, when I made the podcast account, one of the first accounts that I saw and followed and was like, you know, put you on my wish list for guests. So I'm really, you know, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really happy that we're doing this. So let's sort of get into your story a little bit. What caught your interest in astrology and how did you come to decide to work with it? I, I, even as a kid, I was super into astrology. In fact, like, uh, you know, growing up, I had the little, uh, the, the glow in the dark stars on the ceiling, right? If you will. Yeah, uh, and I had my my friends, my best friends, and myself's constellations. Like I designed it so that our constant That's based so cool. on our zodiac signs. But it was always just a a sidebar, a hobby, if you will. Right. My degree, I have a degree in graphic design, cool. and I was an executive marketer for like you know architecture and engineering firms. That's what I was doing for a long time. And then you know the pandemic hit. And I was doing contract work for them, but it allowed me more time to kind of do things and it, and go back to my fine art roots. So I was like drawing more about, you know, and then I just started getting into the astrology. And I'm like, oh, this is my chance to like look into it more because like, I, what is this round chart thing anyway? Like, I don't even understand why it's round or like I hadn't. Like I understood astrology, but I didn't understand it, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And and then I'm like, well, if I'm going to learn about it, why not show other people how I learned about it? And maybe that'll help them learn more too. There you go. So cool. But obviously I'm a little, uh, I'm a little bit queer folks. Uh, for those <laughs> of you that can't see me, um, I am a cis female. I, 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 my pronouns are she, her. However, I am masculine of center and appearance. So <laughs> that's always a fun part. And I just wanted to take that into astrology a little bit because I'm also polyamorous. So a lot of astrology is like, find your one soulmate. And, you know, Mars is male energy and Venus is female energy. And I, that's just not the case. It's just energy, right? So, um, and there might not be just one soulmate for people in general, Uh, whether you believe in that or not, that's fine. It's just, that's kind of open for the interpretation. 
which I think is what astrology is. It's interpreting, you know, the language of the stars, if you will. Yeah, I love that. I love, especially in your bio, just sort of talking about taking, I think even in in new age, in quotes, spirituality and sort of this mm-hmm. whole realm that we're dabbling in here is it can really sort of, yeah, get stuck in like gender binaries, you know, feminine, masculine, man, woman. And I, yeah, I just love to see people just beginning to sort of chip away at that and break away from that and just do really cool things that are beyond the, that type of thinking. So I appreciate that about your content and and everything you do with. Let's talk about the basics of astrology. So for me, where I'm coming from is like, you know, I know the signs. I have no idea how to read a chart. When people say like, even reference certain planets in certain houses, I'm just like, okay, that sounds cool. But there's like not, I don't have the meaty knowledge to really get down to what that really means. So let's start with this question. If someone had never, ever heard about astrology, how mm-hmm. would you explain it to them? Okay, yeah. Astrology is similar to astronomy in the fact that it studies the stars, but specifically we are studying the stars based on a certain time frame in the in the history of the world or even in the future in some cases. Um, I don't know do predictive astrology, but in the past, obviously there's different different placements how the planets move, like literally based in science, meaning that that even though you might be like, oh, that's just, you know, Scorpios are mysterious. That's just a trait from wherever. Well, it comes from something, right? And there's a lot of ancient things, but we don't need to get into all that to understand astrology. We just need to be like, okay, so I know what my sun sign is because I can read my horoscope, right? In some cases, that's the most popular thing. So everybody kind of associates that, but really that's just where the sun was and then what constellation it was at the moment that you were born, okay? So that's what that represents. And it's divided into 12 to make it even because there are constellations that kind of tiptoe around that same area in the sky, but it's based in ancient times of how, what was in the sky at what time so they knew which way to go and when to plant stuff and things like that. So even though a lot of people call it a pseudoscience, astrology is something that's been used forever and a lot obviously by kings and queens as well right and royalty in general so coming from that and kind of paring it down a little more sorry I just I just wanted to give a little background yeah absolutely because the same thing goes for like um then you go hey what's your big three that's like that's like intermediate astrology now now we're like okay well I know that I also have a moon sign That's whatever constellation the moon was in the moment you were born, right? And then I have a rising sign. Now, rising is the most important one for us to talk about when you're trying to understand reading a chart, okay? Okay. So it's three, the sky's three-dimensional. And in astrology, we're earth-centered, not sun-centered. So basically, because that's where you are. So we're the center of the universe in this case, in astrology. They blame us for that most of the time. Anyway, <laughs> What are you, the center of the universe? In this case, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so the fact that everything moves around the earth in this case, whatever constellation, now there's, there's this rim of constellations that goes through the sky. You can see them like this type of time of year. Capricorn is one of the main ones, right? It goes by time of year, depending on your zodiac sign. Right. So the time that you were born, I mean, they move throughout the sky because the, the, the earth is rotating. So every two hours, there's a different constellation on the Eastern horizon. So 
whenever you're born, like as an example, I was born at 5.39 a.m., we go, take a snapshot. That three-dimensional orb where all the planets are and all of that, and it's based on that point in time of whatever rising sign was on the eastern horizon the time you were born. That is your rising sign. So that's why it matters like the time and the location because they're trying to be like, okay, this is basically your earth sign is your rising sign. Okay. okay. This is when you started to exist at that moment. So we take that, that snapshot of the sky and we're like, where was the sun? Where was the moon? Where was this asteroid or any of those things? Right. So once you kind of understand that, you're like, oh, all right. So we're three, we're in this big globe and now I'm here in the center and I'm earth and I'm like, okay, I'm born. Now what? I can see all the planets around me. Where are they? They're in that constellation or this constellation, right? So we flatten it in astrology to make it easier to read. So the reason why it's round like that is that it's 360 degrees, just like the sphere would be. And it's divided into the 12 sections based, which are the signs, which are also the constellations. So everybody has all 12 signs in their chart because they were all existed when you were born and there was different planets in them and things like that, different asteroids, stars, all that, right? We have all of these different elements that are all paused. And then astrology is we look at it, right? We're, we're literally flattening it and looking at it. So that 360 degrees is what equals a circle. So each of the signs are 30 degrees each on your natal chart. When you look at your round chart, you see it, you're like, okay, there's that 360 degrees always on the left side, technically north, south, east, right? So on the left side, whatever, that's where the constellation is, is your rising sign. That's where you start. It's also the beginning of your first house and everything. That is the point of origin for your chart. That's what astrologers look at first to see where everything else is. It basically is rotating until it stops when you're born. And then we can see where everything is. So so you can always start there and then it'll say ASC, which stands for ascendant or rising sign. And then as you go, you read counterclockwise. And so the signs are already set up wherever your rising sign is. That's where your chart starts. And then they go around counterclockwise. So as an example, you're a Sagittarius, right? Yes. And so then next would be somebody like, like me. I'm a Capricorn because the sun moves into Capricorn and that, or it just keeps going. Aquarius, Pisces, it just goes around, right? Now, the lines that are in the middle, there's like usually these lines that are going on in the middle and there's these numbers in the middle. And the numbers, those represent the houses. And houses in astrology are the playing field, if you will, the part of your life that something is happening in, okay? So you have the signs, which are kind of like the attitude you bring to something, like what we talk about when we talk about horoscopes, kind of like the personality traits, things like that. And the houses are what part of, of somebody's life something plays out in, okay? Gotcha. Yes. So, right, and they all have different representations. Now, in Western style, which is the one that's majority used, placidious, tropical, you might hear all of those things. That's the same. It's Western style. And th- in that case, the houses are not all 30 degrees. They can be a variety of degrees, all right? So when you're looking at it, you're like, whoa, there's a bunch of little things. You just got to go look at those numbers and it'll show you the little pie slice that's that house. Now, those are the two main parts, but then you have all, well, what about the planets, right? Like those, I can yeah. read somebody's chart just by that. I can tell you stuff just that. 
so then what are the planets or there's thousands thousands hundreds of thousands of different astrological bodies that we can put into astrology so a lot of times people will be like i have an empty house <laughs> well it's just <laughs> empty from the the big planets that we happen to have on here right. there's probably something in there right but the reason that we don't have to necessarily know that is those are focus points. So wherever mm -hmm. that planet happens to be, I associate those with a certain kind of focus. For example, I was talking about the gender binary thing and taking it out. I refer to Mars as an example, instead of it being male energy, dominant, you know, whatever. It is your dominant energy, but it's about what you want to have control over and what you don't want people to step on your toes in, right? Your mm -hmm. passion, your drive, things like that. So that's the focus it brings. Then we see what sign it's in. So that's your attitude you're gonna come bring to that focus. And then what part of your life that's happening in is where the gotcha. house is, okay? Yes. So that's kind of the three, but then there's another thing. Have you ever looked at your chart and you're like, what are those lines that are going all over yeah. the place? Like, what the heck is that, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> those are called aspects. Okay. And what they're showing us, are relationships between those focus points. So they're saying these get along, these don't. Like you might have a speed bump here, or this is really easy flow for you. And that is the same thing we use to figure out compatibility are those, those kinds of things. It's the relationship between your focus points. So that's what those means. And then if you hear something like, oh, I have a grand trine in my chart, that's something that we call a pattern and a stellium also falls into that stellium is three or more points in the same sign or house and so the aspects are different like things like we call trine square sextile we have names for them they each have meaning so obviously but when there's three or more of those things happening it becomes a pattern hence a grand trine or a cradle or you know a grand sextile there's crazy ones like that but those are the different things that you can just kind of look at and see but reading the chart you always start at that first house and then you slowly work through and to know the hardest thing, I think the, the question I get the most about it is how can you tell which sign is ruling which house? So there's this, because the signs are on the outside edge and then you'll see on the inner part, they're usually dashed or lighter lines and they don't line up with those. That's because those are your house lines. So as I was telling you, the ascendant is the beginning of the first house that's the lead line for the first house so the next line would be the lead line for the second house right you follow that line all the way out to the sign and that's what sign rules that house going counterclockwise going counterclockwise so like sometimes people will even say well what about my ascendant that's in the 12th house your ascendant's never in the 12th house it literally starts your natal chart so that's why it's always in the first house just like something we call the mid haven MC on your chart. It's your like ambition, the highest point of that 3D sphere I was talking about. That's what it stands for. It's the highest point in that. And so that's why we call it the achievement, but it's always on the cusp of the 10th house because mm. while the, the constellations are going, let's just use it as an example. It's not exactly like this, but say they're running north, south, then the houses are running east, west. So that's how they end up like locking 
on your natal chart. As you mentioned, most people generally know their sun sign. And so my question is, what are the benefits of knowing your moon and ascending? And I want to note that when I did my, like this was years ago when CoStar like came out and I did my like CoStar and it said my Jam ascending <laughs> was Gemini. And so mm -hmm. then when I finally got like an actual ast astrology chart reading, it was in um, Cancer. And I was like, Oh, and I know, I think they're, are they close to each other? Yes. They're right but, next to each other. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if that's like a, if CoStar just sucks or if, uh, if it's like maybe on the cusp, I don't know. Like, how does that work? Give me your opinion on CoStar, I guess. And then we can go into why is it important to know your sun, moon and ascending? Absolutely. Two things. One is CoStar is not the best, but I know exactly what happened. And that is they only got Placidius style, which is that Western that I was talking about. They only started that fairly recently. So not at the beginning, but fairly recently. And if you haven't gone in and changed it okay. in the settings to the Placidius house system, then yes, it's going to fall back to the Eastern style or Verdict astrology, Verdict, however you would like to say that. And, and it's usually a sign backwards. Like for example, me, I'm actually a Sagittarius rising in, in tropical, but in Verdict, I'm a Scorpio rising. So that's why because they are blocked in position rather than being, they're more exact, to be honest with you. And it's not that much more ancient. It's only like 700 years more ancient. They're both super ancient practices. But because astronomers were the only ones that could be accurate because they were looking at the actual placements of things, they tried to make it more easier. And hence the tropical is more divided and more, mathematically makes sense like it's not always just like like the the sun's actually in virgo for 45 days but we're not going to have 45 day virgo season and a six day aries season that's just not going to happen doesn't make sense so that's just kind of some part of it's like mathematical too on top of that just to gotcha. make it easier to divide and to know when we're supposed to do things for the calendar if you will for the georgian calendar <laughs> fascinating okay cool uh, Good to know. So that's what happened there. As for the sun, the moon, and your rising being the big three, I just think that the sun tends to be your true self. So it's it, it rules your ego, right? So it's what people get to know once they get to know you a little bit better. So more people will probably relate to you and even see you as your rising sign. So that's why it's kind of interesting to know that so that people are like, oh, they're probably seeing me a little more like this instead of the true me yet for you as an example people will see you very um because you're a cancer rising sorry so people know <laughs> i'm not just yeah, not no worries <laughs> so you're a cancer rising and then you're you have a, a capricorn moon and you're a sagittarius sun so let me just use your three as an example right yep. so sagittarius they're experienced philosophers they like adventures and things like that they're a bit of a know-it-all because we only talk the about the things that we know that's why if they don't know about it they're not talking about it that's why they come off as know-it-alls uh if, if you notice they're being quiet that's because they don't know what you're talking about and they're <laughs> gonna find out later um, <laughs> i love that uh and that's your true self though like you that's people get to know you a little bit better they'll be like how how do so many things happen to you that's a yeah. sagittarius Right. Yeah. Forrest Gump is a Sagittarius, <laughs> if that makes sense. Not sure. necessarily his attitude, but just the fact that all he has all these different experiences that happen to him. That's mm -hmm. their vibe. Okay. So then when you compare that to cancer, your cancer rising, what the, 
Well, a cancer rising, that's a water sign that's all about emotion, right? So other people can see you as very have, having a deep emotional capacity and being able to come to you and you're very nurturing to them. And in, honestly, in, your, in, in, in this world, that's helpful, first of all. Right. And it's just, it's a way to, it's also your first impression on things. So you probably kind of emotionally check things before you experience them, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. Like you give it the little emotional check and you're like, okay, then we're good to go. Yeah. Um, now on top of that, your moon is your emotions, which can affect a lot of things as we all know. And especially for somebody like you, who also has that Capricorn Sagittarius thing, like I do, mm-hmm. where there's some sort of debate going on there. I'm a Capricorn sun uh, with a Sagittarius moon. So it's similar in that way. But the difference is, is that the Capricorn moons, it's literally the opposite of cancer, which is ruled by the moon, the emotions, right? Capricorns, goats, folks do not have tear ducts. That's a fact. Now, Capricorns, some of them might. I mean, they do have the fish tail. So there's got a water test somewhere, <laughs> but Capricorn moons, these are the folks that go into the bathroom and they like look in the mirror. They like just <clears throat> angry cry for a second. They look in the mirror and they're like, get it together. And then they get it together and then they leave and that's it. Because it's about having efficient emotions because Capricorn's about efficiency and effectiveness. They're structured, they're air or the earth sign, you know? So they're like, I need to, you know, be structured in that. So you have three out of the four elements in your big three, which right. is kind of interesting. And, and it actually will help you balance out a little bit in those things because your emotions, they're all things that play a big role in your life, a constant role, right? How you're being seen, how your ego feels and what you're feeling. So that's why that's important. But in actuality, I think it's even further than that. And even part of why I started Christology was because of the big six, as I call them. So then, you know, Mercury, Mercury, Venus, and Mars, especially when it comes to relationships and connecting with people and things like that. So, yeah. Fascinating. I hope that answered that question. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It did. (laughs) A few questions. One off of what you just said, but the first one Mm -hmm. I have is we've talked a lot about the ascending sign or your rising, whatever people want to call it. And you described the point in the chart, but why is it called ascending? Like, what is, is it because you're like, what is ascending? I guess, I don't know if there's a better It's exactly what you're about to say. It's exactly what you think it is. So like on the opposite side from your ascendant, there's something called DFC or descending. So literally like um, if you're a person just sitting there, like say you're sitting on the ground and you can see stuff moving over your head, that's basically what's happening. We just don't necessarily see because it's not moving that fast. If you, right. if you look long enough, you'll see it, but it's the constellations. So it's the rising or the ascending, gotcha. just like the, like the sunrise, but instead it's the constellation rising. Okay. So that's why it's the one that's on that horizon the moment you're born. Interestingly, like how I said it, I was um, a Sagittarius rising. During the sun season of a sign, like right now is Capricorn season, the closer somebody's born to about 6 a.m. in that during a particular sun season, right now Capricorn, they'll be a Capricorn rising. Oh. So I was born at 5.39 a.m., which made me a Sagittarius right before sit. You see, gotcha. so maybe Sagittarius yeah. rising. That was the constellation that was rising. Capricorn hadn't gotten all the way up yet. So that's, that's what it means. And so like somebody who's born at noon 
would be a cancer rising because it would yeah. do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's yep. literally the constellation, whatever the ascending constellation at the time you're born. That's why we gotcha. call it that or your rising sign. Yes. It's hence cool. sunrise. This is constellation rise. Okay. Easy enough. Yeah. So my next okay. question is based off of what you just said, sort of your, your big six, you said Venus, Mercury, and Mars. Was that the, the three you yeah. said? Yes. So which, what do those planets rule? Okay. They're all still the inner. If you look at if we go back out to astronomy now, right? The, before the asteroid belt, there are six six planets. And well, five planets and a star. The sun is a star. Yes. Uh, sorry, four planets, actually. Four planets and the star, because the moon is also a moon, not a star uh, mm-hmm. or a planet. But what's interesting, remember how I said we're Earth-centered in astrology? Yes. So like on one side of us, we have Mars and, wait, what was I just saying? Mar- what are they called? Oh, Mars. On one side of us, we have Mars. That's it. Because everything else is on the other side of us when we're Earth, right? Right. We're the third rock from the sun, Earth. So Mars is on the outer side of us, but on the inner side is Venus, Mercury, and the sun. And interestingly, that was Venus and Mercury. They're never too far from the sun. So in every single person's astrological chart, I can tell you that your Venus will never be more than two sun signs away. So as an example, if for, for somebody who's a Sagittarius, you can only have Venus in Libra, Scorpio, Sag, Capricorn, or Aquarius, because it can never be more than 47 degrees away from the sun, mathematically gotcha. speaking, right? And then the same thing is with Mercury, which is even closer to the sun. It can never be more than 27 degrees away. That's less than a whole sign. So if you're a Sagittarius, Mercury or if a Sagittarius sun, you can only be a Scorpio, Sagittarius, or Capricorn, Mercury. That's it. So when people post about, hey, all you Scorpio and Venuses, those are only, there's only five sun signs that they're even talking to. So, okay. Right? So that's just mathematically speaking, because it's the actual sky that we're calculating, it can't be that far from the sun. So Mercury, which is the next closest planet to the sun there, it is actually about communication and language and how you get your message across, which I think is pretty, pretty important in life, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, It's also one of the uh, few planets that has two, two signs that it rules, uh, Gemini and, uh, and Virgo. And interestingly, if you think about them, they both have to do with communication, but you think about them differently because they're two, they're two edges to a sword. Mm. Gemini is an external communicator. Now, this again is how they used to be like masculine and feminine, right? But really it's about external versus internal, meaning Geminis are very external communicators. You all know a Gemini, come on. And then <laughs> I have many Geminis in my life. I'm sure Sagittarius <laughs> is their sister sign, their opposition sign. So, Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, they like to talk about it and teach, like do TED Talks and Sagittarians actually like to do it. That's the difference. And then also Virgo is about communication as well, but very internal, right? They're very critical and detail oriented on themselves and like what's going on. They're not necessarily external about that. Although they can be. Anybody who knows Virgos knows what I'm talking about. So that's why I feel like that's important. Obviously in any kind of connection or relationship you might be in, communication is important. So if your Mercury's aren't matching, you know, and it also can tell you how you might want to ease your communication Example, those of us who are Sagittarius Mercuries, we <laughs> have something called foot and mouth disease. And it is where we can't keep our mouth shut. 
uh, we have something that we want to say. It makes no practical, actual sense to us. And so therefore we just talk about it. And <laughs> sorry, sorry, I said the truth, but I want to know the answer kind of stitch. That's, that's, you know, but we can understand that. And then maybe for a second be like, do I really need to harass them about this? Or can I let it go? Look it up later on my own. So that's what I mean about like astrology and the cool parts of it. Cause when you learn more about it, it's just suggestions or, or kind of like a, a path that might be helpful, but not, it's not set in stone. It's not like you have, you should be doing this. That's silly. So, yeah. uh, sorry, the next one is Venus after that, that we were talking about. And Venus is your bottom energy, I like to call it, better known as how you like to surrender or what you need to be vulnerable in situations. Because Venus is about finding love and it's kind of more of the vulnerable area. So I think it's important to see how your Venuses line up in different relationships in your life so that you can see what kind of vulnerability you'd have. As an example for you, you again have it in Sagittarius. Venus is in Sagittarius for you. So in order for you to be more vulnerable, you are probably going to need somebody that is loves experience and adventure and philosophy as much as you do and can even impress you or bring something new to the table for you. That would allow you to be vulnerable with them and a better connection. And then Mars is your top energy or dominant energy, the things that you want to have control over, right? And so Mars, <laughs> again, is your Mars is also in Sagittarius. <laughs> so what's interesting is that you you like to be in control of your adventures and your philosophies. Now, interestingly, all of this is in the sixth house for you. Mm. The sixth house represents acts of service. All right. Or routine. So you like to experience a bunch of different things, actually experience them, not just read about them like a Gemini would, but <laughs> they only read three pages and they think they can te teach a TED talk on it. But Sagittarians are like, they want to experience it. So having your Mars there as well, it means that you want to be in control of certain things, specifically your experiences and your acts of service, your daily routines and how you figured out how to do things. You're like, don't F with that. Yeah. I have done lots of experience and philo philosophizing and searched my spirituality to come to this. Don't mess with it, right? Yeah. So, so somebody else who can understand and respect that and has their own experiences and routines, mm. that's how you could be vulnerable with them and still have control over what you want to have control over. That'll answer anybody who's always like, well, my Venus and Mars are in the same. It happens, but that's exactly what it is. It's about the lane that you need to pick. Um, or not need to pick, but that actually just gets picked for you, so to speak. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Those, that's wow. So that's all six of them, and I feel like your ego, how people see you, your emotions, how you communicate, how you love, and your passion—they all have a lot to do with life in general, and not just romantic relationships, but like how you connect with people and other things and all that stuff. I think what comes outside of you more is when we talk about houses because that's different places of your life. And it kind of shows us where that playing field. Uh, again, like I was saying, like the acts of service for all your Sagittarius placements. The first house, as an example, is the house of self. And I have a bunch, like I was telling you, I have, I have a first house stellium myself. That means there's a lot of focus on interjecting myself into the world. <laughs> Sagittarius. <Right>. So, <laughs> that's my... Um, if it was a different one, you know, whatever, but that's what that means. The second house has to do with value, the things that you look for and find, try to find value in money, security, things like that. The third house is communication. 
Fourth is home or your roots. The fifth house is about creativity and pleasure. The sixth house is the services, acts of service or routines. Seventh house is relationships, different kinds of connections, not just romantic, but long-term connections, marriage, but also uh, work or any other kind of, not just marriage, because you know I'm not a proponent of just that either. The eighth house is um, the house of the taboo and power and transformation. The ninth house is experience and adventure. Tenth house is about ambition and achievement. Eleventh house is your social house. And the twelfth house is intuition. Now, all of those houses also have native rulers to them. So they have the similar personalities to those signs, the houses. So Aries is the first house, Taurus, Gemini, and it goes in calendar order. So if you can remember like birthdays and just start around. <laughs> Wait, my friend is uh, like, I'm a Sagittarius. And then right. my friend, you know, Aries is first in spring. So that's why it's easy. When the spring starts, that's the new astrology year, if you will. Um, and that's when Aries begins right on the spring equinox. Because, cool. you know, we are formed from science, just say. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh -huh. I love that. Mm -hmm. So what gives, speaking of like certain signs and these houses, like what gives each sign? Like we kind of all, you know, basic astrology is like Scorpios are this way, Sagittarius are this way. What gives each of those signs, those traits in terms of personality or how you present yourself? How, and then why are they associated with how, how were each of them associated with the elements? In astrology there for all 12, there's 12 signs and there are three modes that they can be in, which I'll explain what those are. And then four elements. So four times three, 12, right? Each of those four elements has one of each of the three modes. Now I'm going to explain what each of them are. And that's totally where some of this comes from. And it is from the time of year in some cases, because a lot of it is based on the equinoxes, especially cardinal signs. Cardinal is one of the modes. There's cardinal fixed and mutable all right so cardinal signs are the signs that start the seasons so as an example aries is cardinal fire and it starts spring so and fire means like initiation and getting things you know like energy and the and cardinal signs are actually the initiators of things they start things right mm -hmm. so that's what it means it's starting that that fire of of spring if you will and then if we go to the next one, the next cardinal sign is cancer and cancer starts summer and it's a water sign. What else are you doing in the summer? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, then we go to Libra, Lib uh, sorry, cardinal. I, I told you it was water. Okay. I want to make sure I missed, <laughs> didn't miss that. <laughs> and then Libra is the cardinal air sign. Uh, I did forget to mention that water is emotion. So they're the, the deep emotional capacity cancer, right? Libra, sorry, is the cardinal air sign. And air is about intelligence. So initiating intelligence, and this is fall. So this is like when cuffing season starts and whatnot. Shout out to SZA. <laughs> and then of course there is the winter equinox and Capricorn, right? Yeah. That is the earth sign and it's the cardinal earth sign. So structure, all right? So that's where some of that came from. And the personalities, I think, came from different timeframes when people were born and what they mean. Like, I'll go, I'll go over the other two modes in a second, but as an example, if you're born in the summer, right, there's certain things, maybe those people are more apt to be outside. 
just because they happen to be born during the summertime, right? And so that's what they associate certain things with. Who knows, right? We don't know where it comes from. I've even done this thing about particle entanglements, which is some some crazy stuff. But yeah, we're talking about astrophysics, but but um, there's actually this other astrology guy that's been doing that forever. He calls it like at astrology physics or something. Cool. But it's basically saying that when you notice or see something, a particle of something, the thing that it's entangled with, the, it happens to them too. Like the opposite thing happens to them. So like you see something's black, it's white, just like that, faster than the speed of light, which in physics is impossible. So if we're all made from the same things as the planets and the stars, how can we not be entangled with them? And how is it that when we come out during that moment, during that, that rising sign moment, that that is our connection all of those entanglements, wherever throughout the generations that have all been passed down and whatever, at that moment, they're activated. And because something's happening, you're, you're being observed in the world, right? Wow. So at that moment, all your particle entanglements are being observed. So your entanglements, to Pluto, to Mars, to any the sun, the asteroids are all being observed. And that's what we put on this thing. We just try to make it a whole lot easier. Right. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's um, crazy to think about what, uh, like, it's like blowing my mind right? a little bit. Like, whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah. You should ch- check out my video. Uh, someday won the Nobel Peace Prize for it this year. So that's oh. why I decided to, to push it a little bit more because it's, it's, it's a hot thing. Like, you know, um, even Einstein used to call it the spooky thing. He, it weirded him out too. Because wow. physicists don't understand how something in a vacuum cannot be faster than the speed of light. It doesn't make sense to them. So for something to be a hundred thousand times faster than that, it just, that's, they don't, they're like, that's not real. Um, <laughs> but it has been proven now. Um, wow. The furthest they've done, the furthest they've been able to prove is like 300 miles, I think, because space station, they're up at the space station, which is only like 300 miles away, folks. How funny is that? Yeah, yeah. Um, Doesn't it just not seem that far when you think about it? <laughs> yeah, it's like a round trip to Flagstaff and back for me. Right, so, ex- yeah, exactly. But that obviously, how are they going to do it otherwise? I got to wait till they put somebody else further up, I guess. But right. um, that's not probably their top priority at that probably moment not. is to figure <laughs> out. But sorry, anyway, I digress. Um, as for the other modes that there are, there is fixed, which are kind of the the people that take these systems that I was talking about uh like the uh, energy from fire or the structure from earth or intelligence from air or emotion from water and they take those different systems that those cardinal signs started and they refine them they're kind of like the workhorses of the of the different groups because they're they're refining the whatever whatever got started <laughs> um and and then the mutable signs are the ones that are really flexible. Uh, they're much more flexible than most of the other ones because they're kind of the finishers. So they're the bow tires, if you will, of whatever's going on. So you have the people who start it, you have the people that do all the like the systemy stuff, and then you have the people that are trying to wrap it up, right? The one that people think of the most is Virgos because are they not the most structural, like perfectionist trying to wrap things up, right? And what's interesting is on a natal chart, they go in order. So like I said, Aries is number one, right? It's the youngest. Aries is cardinal fire. And then next you go to a fixed sign, but it's earth. Mm. And that would be Taurus. And then the next one is mutable, but it's air. And that is Gemini. 
And then the next one, we go back to cardinal because there's only three modes, but this happens to be cancer. So now we're water. And then, it, but then it goes fire, earth, air, water, fire, earth, air, water. And it goes around the chart like that. Mm. And the same thing with the modes, cardinal, fixed, mutable, all the way around in that order. So like that, once I figured that out, I was like, oh, I can remember that. Like, you know, it's yeah. kind of like doing the counting on your fingers thing. So like just pulling all these elements together to figure out what astrology even is. I love to do those research, mathematical things, like incorporating factual things into something that's really hard to factually prove. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> yeah. There is so much, there's so many details, like the more the chart you sent over to me just had so much. One thing I noticed about it in, and especially as you're talking about the houses was like, my chart seemed very like almost one-sided or something. Like there was a lot going mm-hmm. on, on, I think the right side, but not really a lot going on in the rest or like in this sort of upper half or something like that. And what is up with that? Like if there's, if, if we, you kind of touched on this earlier, but if there's not a main, like a big planet or anything in some of those houses, what does that indicate? What does that mean? Well, basically it's, it's that you, uh, you have a ruler of that house. Like I was telling you, how do you find it with the lead line? Mm-hmm. So like, say as an example, um, well, actually we can talk about your rising sign. So even though you're a cancer rising, the next house is ruled by what's next Gemini is that way. So hello, Leo, right? Your second house is ruled by Leo, I believe. Uh, so Leo, it rules your second house of value. So you take the attributes of Leo, right? And you're like, so Leo is, is um, they look for adoration. And by the way, folks, adoration doesn't mean egotistical, even though they are ruled by the, they're the sun ruler, right? It's about getting noticed for something that you've done, right? So if we, excuse me, if we take that attitude and we put it into the things you value, that's what you're going to look for. You're going to look for getting value from adoration and that Mm -hmm. it makes you feel more secure the more you are noticed for doing these things. And then, or, or as an example, uh, your Aries rules your 11th house, which is your social house. So it's like Aries is, is, like I said, the baby of the Zodiac. They're instant. They want to do stuff fast. They're like quick to act right? Mm -hmm. And this is your social house that it rules, but Taurus is totally enveloped in it. Okay. So you have Aries where you like jump into social things, meaning you like to like, just kind of join into social groups really quick. (laughs) You're not necessarily (laughs) there for a long time. You're there for a good time, uh, and a good cause. And then you got to get to another one that needs your help. You know what I mean? But if you find something that you're really into, because this is um, the social house, meaning like the groups you kind of join or like the social atmosphere, your humanitarian acts, things like that. If you find something you really like doing your Aries approach where you just, you'll really stick with it because that Taurus is slow and steady wins the race, right? right? They're like, I just keep trucking. So that's what's interesting about that house now, when you have a sign or a, a planet in there, that's that's what I was talking about, about bringing that focus. Right. Gotcha. So if I'm saying to you, like your Sagittarius house, your sixth house, it's ruled by Sagittarius and it has um, all those placements in it. Well, we're saying your acts of service, you like to have experience. You like to make sure that you're philosophically <laughs> clear and that your spirituality is clear in your daily acts, right? Right. And then what kind of focus, how you communicate, your ego, 
And that's what that kind of means. The difference between those things, having an empty one or having a focus in that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So then when you read it, that's how you can read the different natal charts. And like, even in in the readings that I do, like the PDF I sent you, if you get a reading from me, then you get that seven page PDF that basically breaks down your chart and shows you each section. And then when I do the actual reading, it's similar to where we video chat basically. And I walk you through the chart so that hopefully after that, you can even go up, look up other focus points, other asteroids or random things. And you you can kind of understand what the heck's going on. Be like, yeah. okay, well, it's in this sign and it's in this part of my life. And this is what it means. It means I'll be a billionaire or whatever. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, like whatever that happens to be, but yeah. what the attitude is and what part of your life it'll happen. Cool. Yeah. So, I loved the PDF you sent. It was like, it was so clear. So good, good. it was, it was very descriptive. I, I thought it was really, really good. It was just a plug, you know, for anybody who might be interested. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when we read these charts, so I, mm-hmm. when I was reading through mine, like you, we talked, you talked about there's sextiles, squares, conjunctions, um, mm-hmm. transits, like what, or trines, I think you mentioned earlier, like what? Trines, yeah. Yeah. What are these things? what are they? And then like, how do they play? Like, what do they mean? Like, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. They're, those are the aspects that we were talking about. Those are those crazy lines that are going all over the place. So the placements are those focus points and these lines are showing us how they're talking to each other. So there's five major ones. There's a ton of different kinds of aspects. There's, you know, but the five major ones that we talk about, the first one is conjunction. Those are any planets that are within zero to 10 degrees of each other. They're basically on top of each other. And that energy becomes blended. So Mm -hmm. that's blended energy. So you can look at the focus points and you can say, okay, oh, it's sun. My sun is sextile. I mean, not sorry, is in conjunction with my Mercury, right? So that means they're within 10 degrees of each other. But it also means that your ego, because we know sun means ego, Mercury is communication, So my ego is blended with my communication. So that's how you can, you know, that's how you can read that. Now, anybody who is looking these up, like if you want to try to look up, what the heck does this mean, right? That's why it can be kind of difficult because you need to put natal after it because there's three different kinds. There's the transits that you were talking about. That's when we're talking about like the future sky or today's sky and how how those points relate with your birth chart because that's also can have aspects or synastry where there's two people's charts and they're comparing the focus points. In your alone chart, just your birth chart, that's your natal chart. So if you're looking it up, you're like, uh, you know, sun conjunction, Mercury, natal. And that way it'll come up with a lot more information. I'm just saying as a sidebar for folks to be yeah. able to find that stuff. Totally. Um, uh, the next one is sextile, which is 60 degrees. So about two signs worth apart, right? And this represents cooperative. I like to call it the bestie energy. It's kind of like they're independent. They can do their own thing. But if they, if they need to work together, they're totally down for it. They're like, okay, let's do this. And then the third one is a uh, square. Square is 90 degrees, which is kind of what it sounds like, right? But it's uh, so three signs away. And what it means is that there's some sort of conflict. They're squaring up to each other if you will. And they're just like, Hey, what are you doing? Like they, they're uncomfortable with it. And so sometimes when people feel like they have like, they're like, why is this so difficult or something? It could just be a square aspect that you're having. Doesn't mean it's impossible. 
it just knowing that it's there can help you work through it better. And and the same time, something like trine, which is the next one, is 120 degrees. And this one, these are usually in the same element. So how I was saying to you, you know, fire, water, earth, and all that. And what so that generates this good flow because they're kind of in the same realm. They're either all about energy or they're all about emotion, or you know, and it's whatever those focus points are showing you um, what kind of energy you're putting into that. And then the last one that we talked about that's a major one, my favorite, is opposition. So like as an example, your ascendant is in opposition to your moon mm. on your chart. And by the way, little little sidebar effect, if your moon is in opposition to your sun, by the way, which is 180 degrees, so directly across on your natal chart, you're probably born on a full moon. Very cool. If it's in conjunction on top of it, new moon. So just, just so you know. But that just kind of brings it back out to that three-dimensional. You're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oppositions, that 180 degrees, it's a push and pull energy. So it's kind of like friction that creates action, if you will. So like uh, if, some, if, if you're, um, how people see you is going to be like, look, I'm going to be doing this podcast thing. And your moon's like, how are you emotionally feeling about that? Are you sure? And you're, yes, I can do this. And your moon's like, all right, let's do it. So then you do it and, the, and then your emotions are like, okay, now I can grow. I can learn from that and be like, okay, that was fine. Now my emotions are better or have grown from that. And then sometimes your emotions are going to do something that you're, that how people see you is going to be like, what are you doing? So it's like the same thing, but they help each other. They learn from each other uh, and they make each other cool. better. Yeah. So that's why that's my favorite. But um, that, that's what those things mean. So they, they're, they're important, but they're not as, they're just about like kind of the flow of your life, like what's going on there. Um, and you can just apply the energies to those focus points and the energy of, of whatever the aspect is. And it'll kind of give you a mini idea. And then you can always look it up if you need to know like paragraphs on it, because most of these yeah. places have paragraphs on that stuff, you know? <laughs> so cool. Wow. We have learned a lot. So <clears throat> I, one of my last, well, I have a few more questions. So one of my last ones is like, what, if somebody is brand new to this and they love, they're hearing you talk about it and just feel really inspired to learn how to mm -hmm. like create or read a chart on their own. What, what are some of the steps that you took to learn how to do that? And you know, how can people sort of begin to start, start to read or create charts and, and understand them? The link in my profile, the link tree that we were talking about earlier, it has a link to where you can get a natal chart. Cause honestly, that's sometimes the first thing, like you were saying, you use CoStar again, sometimes there can be issues with that. So let's use yeah. a real, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, and, and it's free. The, that link to that is free, you know, for you to get your natal chart and to have a look at it. And then uh, reading it is kind of like, it's how much do you want to know? You can either get a reading from somebody like me who will actually show you how to do it or look up more stuff, content, things like that, which Queer Astrology has a ton of that. That's actually what I do because as I was learning, I wanted to visually figure out how to show other people. So honestly, I have... I have these videos that are, I've grouped into a thing. That's how to read your nail chart. Perfect. <laughs> it's like 10 videos. It's three minutes long Love it. <laughs> and uh, it's different sections. So if, like here's a certain section you didn't quite get. You can also go back and just watch that section of it. Um, it's just about kind of not being afraid to dive in and understand what that means, but I'm doing a lot of that work for you. So if you don't want to do all that, there you go. And then on top yeah. of that, uh, like I said, my readings are designed to make you a better chart reader. 
Uh, I'm that's all I'm here to do. I'm just interpreting for you, giving you like the starting of the language, and then you can go off and you know learn what how whichever things tickled your fancy. I love uh, that. I that. love that because there's no gatekeeping in that. It's just like yeah, I'm going to yeah. show you how to read this for yourself. If you want to come back and and get it from me, or you can learn. I just I think that's fantastic you're yep. sort of demystifying it in a way which I think is really good and really cool absolutely and yeah. I try to do like different things because I understand like it's my my readings are a hundred dollars which I, I believe is fairly reasonable especially for the amount of work that I do but I understand people are on budgets and this is kind of a sidebar-ish thing it's not like it's not going to keep your lights on necessarily you know what I mean yeah. so <laughs> that being said uh on on there you can get the video reading but you can also like purchase the PDF, just the PDF, which is actually the blunt of the work. And it actually breaks down your chart and it's only 60 bucks compared to the hundred. And mm -hmm. then if you want to get the video reading later, just do the 40 bucks for the video reading. So that way you can split it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, if it's, if it's a little more expensive, because then you can study the PDF, you know, from the one I sent you that it's very informative and it writes everything kind of out for you. So if you don't know what the heck is going on, it can help a little bit. Not as much as having an actual person walk you through it, but pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. um, there's, there's also synastry stuff on there. There's how to find your match, which is fun. Cool. <laughs> Where I just take your top six and I ask you five questions and then I'll send you back your match. Like who, like based on their Zodiac signs, not like the person, but like their Zodiac signs. Cool. And also in some cases I can actually find the day they were born. So that's kind of fun. Oh my gosh. I love that. First, I mean, obviously it's what is fun, your but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, I am the person that's 45 seconds into a show and looking up every single actor's Zodiac sign if I don't know it. That's um, awesome. So any of us that are like that, that's, you know, and yeah. And right. And right now I'm doing all these, this series on all the asteroids and like other placements and things like that. Cause I just like to uh, figure out rankings of things like, why does why do so many people have a chiron in aries but like nobody has any in cancer what's that about hmm. and figuring that out you see what i mean so yeah fascinating science yeah cool very cool what is a myth that you would like to dispel about astrology ophiuchus is not the 13th sign i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to ask about that I've done three videos in the past two months about this stupid. Anyway, <laughs> it got started from this NASA article, like in the in the late '90s, I think it was like '96 or something, and they mentioned that there, the constellations are on what's called the elliptical, mm -hmm. and so uh, and the reason why is because those are the ones that we most prominently see in the sky. Hence, knowing when to harvest things like that, and even in ancient times, right? So in fact, there was only 10 back in the day and like Rome, the Romans added two. So we ended up having 12. So it was even. Ophiuchus is a constellation that is on the ecliptic. It is on the ecliptic like the rest of them. However, it's right in between Scorpio that's kind of off kilter and Sagittarius. So we don't need all three of them. We're trying to represent a certain time frame. And actually Scorpio fits better into the time frame we're associating here and Sagittarius fits better into that one. So it doesn't mean, just like I said, the sun's in Virgo for 45 days. We don't count it for 45 days as you're Virgo. <laughs> and like I said, <laughs> Aries, Aries is a tiny little constellation and it's not even across the ecliptic. It's on the edge of it. So what do we don't count Aries now? No, 
that doesn't make sense. It's a mathematical thing. And it's literally just not, it's not based on those are the only 12 constellations. There's 88 constellations. Those are the ones along the ecliptic. And those are the ones we use to be able to know what time of year it is. That's it. That's why there's 12 and not however many, 13, 17, mm -hmm. sometimes people, I don't even know. But yeah, Ophiuchus is not real, folks. It's, it's fake. It's not a zodiac sign. It's not fake. It's, it is a constellation. <laughs> Sorry, retract that. It isn't fake. It's just not a zodiac yeah. constellation. It is in That's the all. sky, but it's not part of this system. Yeah, I feel like that was a thing mm -hmm. that people tried to use to like discredit astrology and like hate mm -hmm. on astrology totally. So I'm glad that you clear that up for us. I, I did watch one of your videos recently on it and I was like, this is the perfect explanation. Like I just need to save this mm -hmm. video for anybody who ever tries to come at me about it. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm out here trying to do is those videos it. that y'all can save to prove astrology later to other folks. Yes. Okay. Very last question for you. This is something okay. that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. What is something that listeners can do to open their door to astrology and their intuition a little bit more? That's a great question. I would say just just looking at the sky in a different way than just being like, oh, the stars are out or whatever, but actually connecting to the fact that those are your entangled particles up there. And what what can you see right now? You know, what can you see in the sky? Do you see planet? Do you see like different things? What do you think that means? What time of year is it? Like just start associating it with the reality of life and why it even exists in the first place. Why did it even start? It's an ancient practice. And sometimes people are just like, oh, it's your horoscope, who cares? But really it is something that affects your life and everyone around you every single day. Does the sun not affect the seasons? Does the moon not affect the tides? So obviously if we're all made from the same stuff, we're gonna be affected as well. So that's all, that's, that's opening the door to the fact that it's not just a pseudoscience, but part of reality and part of existence as a, as a human, you don't have to believe in it, but don't dog it. That's all. Wow. It's about putting your intentions in the right place. Very cool. Whether yeah. you're religious or you're into astrology or whatever, it's putting your intentions where you think you should. That's it. Yeah. You know? Awesome. That is a lovely, that is a lovely thought, lovely pieces of advice in there. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. Can you tell listeners one more time where they can find you if they want to book a reading or if they want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Sure. Thank you. Um, uh, it's queer astrology on all things. And that is queer astrology, no A. So, and look out for fake accounts. There's a bunch of them out there on mine. I'm on there a lot and I post a lot. So uh, just make sure they're not all posts from the same day. Yeah. And it's probably, it's just, you know, it happens. So just watch out for the scammers and always go to the link in the profile and click on that for the link tree. Then you know it's me. And even the fake accounts usually have my link in their profile. So, <laughs> you know, go figure. Um, but yeah, just hit up the link there and that's find me on TikTok and on Instagram. And I do have a YouTube channel. I don't do as much, but those are the longer videos for mm -hmm. people that really want to get more in depth. And yeah, and that's it. Cool. But thank you awesome. so much for doing this. This is awesome. And yeah. Thank me. you. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad to have you on and uh, yeah. Thanks again so much for coming on. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you love the podcast and listen on Apple, please be sure to rate and leave a review. If you want more from Opening the Door, 
follow along on Instagram at opening the door podcast. Have a question about psychic work or psychic development? Email opening the door podcast at gmail.com and you might have your question included in one of our future Q&A episodes.